0: I am on a mission to help organizations drive long-term success and results by implementing an unshakable transformation model. This model puts the employee at the center and works outward to support every aspect of the human experience in the workplace. Welcome to the Human Method Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bond, founder and CEO of the Bond Consulting Group. This podcast is designed to explore incredible guests as experts in a variety of professions and experiences to learn more about the tools that will transform an organization one person at a time. If you are seeking to improve yourself and how you live your life or an organizational leader seeking to make a larger impact on your company through culture change, then this podcast is for you. If you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can chat with me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. Be sure to subscribe and get easy access to future episodes. Thank you and enjoy today's episode of The Human Method. today. She is the founder and CEO of Impactful Improv. She was introduced to the concept of improv for skill development while earning her MBA at Duke University. She facilitates interactive experiences to help individuals and teams stretch beyond their comfort zones to improve active listening, effective networking, adaptive thinking, and creativity. She has been a certified PMP for more than a decade, And prior to founding Impactful Improv, she held positions with companies such as Highmark, the Walt Disney Company, Government Contractors, UPMC, Ariba, and Accenture. She also has a commitment to education and serves the president of the Board of Trustees for the Shaler Area of Education Foundation. Please join me in welcoming Beth Sanchez. Beth, thank you for being with us today. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me today, Megan. I'm excited. I know you and I
1: always have some great discussions, and I know that we're going to have a a great one here over the next uh, period of time.
0: I feel the same way. Beth, we do have some great discussions, and uh, for our viewers, I've known Beth not that long. We actually, this is so funny. Uh, we'll, We'll probably get into your stance on live versus virtual networking at some point in the chat, Um, But we met at what I would call Classify as a virtual networking event, and we hit it off immediately when Beth did her intro and shared that she owned an organization called Impactful Improv. I immediately lit up and knew I needed to know her, so I reached out right away, uh, the stalker that I am, and we connected, and we did. We became fast friends. We're um, aligned on a lot, but there's a lot that we you know, challenge each other on. I think that's really cool about our relationship. Um, And, you know, with that, Beth, one of the things you shared with me in one of our earlier conversations that I found so interesting was your why behind starting Impactful Improv. So you are a coach, a facilitator, a consultant. You really could have went in any direction when you started your own company. Um, And I know you do all of those things within this organization, but what is it about improv that, that was so important to you that you actually made it the name of your company?
1: Yeah, the improv, and I think you touched on it a little bit in my bio, I was exposed to it when I went to graduate school. We did some team building and they did managerial improv was one of the classes. And I had remembered, you know, I had seen improv and I was like, I could never do that but it just kind of opened me up to see how sticky it can make it and all the things that an improviser is doing on stage, all of those skills that they're constantly exercising to be able to be live present in the moment are things that we can all do. So as I really looked, and my passion is where I really look at at the human connection. As we've moved to more and more technology, which I love, and as you mentioned, we'll talk a little bit more about how I've really adapted to the virtual world and the technology, Um, but I felt like we were starting to lose that human condition, that human connection. So really what I do is I really focus on developing leadership skills team skills, making teams more effectively communicate, just helping people to listen better because we always practice speaking, but we never really practice listening. And I found that improv makes a fantastic facilitation tool. It makes it sticky. It makes it fun. I could, I could stand up and sometimes I am invited to stand up and just give a lecture. Um, But then it's like, you only take bits and pieces. Whereas when you do those exercises and it's fun, you're more likely to remember it and practice it.
0: Yeah. I I think that's incredible. And Would you say that if you could take a group of executives or a team and and only apply one activity or apply one exercise for them to, to learn from, would it be improv or would it be a workshop? Where would you go with that? I think it always depends,
1: and, and I know that a lot of the work that you do as a consultant is it depends on the need, right? Mm-hmm. There's not a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. type, uh, type shoe because my workshops, what I've done with my workshops is I blend them both, mm. right? So I have these activities and these improv Um, exercises that I draw from, from improv and some of that I've kind of constructed myself along the way. Uh, But I very much also committed that once people have been exposed to it and they see the value in it, I encourage people to go out, take an improv class. In fact, when I first started the company, I don't know if I told you this, but I had not taken an improv class. I think I did one free seminar at a library. Uh, I'd done that piece in grad school. I really didn't know a lot, but I saw the power in it. And I knew just enough to to get things started. But then I I also believe, especially as leaders, we have to walk the talk. Um, So I said, if I'm going to adopt this as a facilitation Mm. form, I better learn more about it. So I took classes with all of my local theaters in Pittsburgh because being based here in Pittsburgh, uh, back in the days when it was live, I was like, well, what if somebody comes and says, we want to learn more? I want to practice improv. I wanted to be able to uh, refer them to be able to exercise it. In fact, I try to stay really active with my own improv skills just to keep them sharp. Um, I teach it all the time. And and as you know, sometimes we can be the expert, but if we don't keep them sharp ourselves, we'll atrophy as well. Um, So this, I think I did tell you this summer, I got to take a virtual uh, workshop with the second city and continue to kind of hone that in uh, from the improv piece. So if you haven't tried it though, it it is a lot of fun and then the bug bit. So now it's just a hobby of mine too.
0: Oh, I, I, this is something that I feel we should have been doing for a long time with organizations, but now people are starting to to recognize the value that improv has. And I, I know many companies that over the past few years have brought in improv experts to take them through these exercises to, to help their executives be more vulnerable um, and work together differently. I also think when you break someone down to the point of vulnerability, uh, when they build themselves back up, there's a, a different level of empathy you have for those around you. And it also influences collaboration and all of these other important factors that, that go into how we should be showing up every day for work. Um, with that, as, as I feel, as I sense that this improv trend will no longer be a trend, it will become something that is almost a necessity for companies, especially after uh, COVID. And, you know, as, as people are feeling a little disengaged, I think that this could be a perfect opportunity to bring people together. So um, I'm sure our viewers are curious. I'm very curious. What exactly does an improv experience look like? For me, or like if you want to take a class, because my experiences are very
1: different. Um, I'm definitely the corporate person, right? So, yeah, so uh, tell exactly us about One that. of the reasons people hire me is I I bring 20 plus years of really solid corporate and leadership experience. Mm-hmm. I just make it fun through improv. Um, and then so I guess if I start with me first, yeah. you know, what that looks like is really stretching you outside your comfort zone. You talked about that vulnerability. I, I call it a lot of stretching your comfort zone. Um, I'm a big believer if you're not growing, you're shrinking. So it's, it's kind of like, how do you take it to that next level? And let's face it, change is scary, right? None of us like change as human beings. We naturally want to default to the easiest possible place, the lowest amount of energy. And that means no change.
0: Mm-hmm. But as
1: we know, if you want to really fulfill your dreams, you have to grow and you have to change. So my experience is, uh, you know, I just use it to break the ice. Um, I use icebreakers, I do, you know, the exercises, I get people open. And I even tell people when they when they hire me, if you're not willing to stretch outside your comfort zone, you probably shouldn't spend time in, in my, my workshops, but I also try to create this safe space around it, where people feel like they can take a chance. Um, in fact, a lot of people, I'm starting to reach a point where a lot of people want videos of like what I do. Mm -hmm. And I think as I grow, I'll have to get a group together. Who's going to feel vulnerable enough to not only stretch outside their comfort zone, but to be video recorded and shared doing it. That's a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things I'm just honest with my clients is where I'm at right now. I need to prioritize making a safe space for my clients Mm -hmm. over like just being able to have a video to promote myself. Um, So a lot of it, it's just like, I'll explain the exercises. I'll walk them through it. And then the second kind of part is like, how would you compare that to like an improv experience if you went to take an improv class? Mm -hmm. And I think from the concept of it's a safe space and it's fun and it's open, I think it's really different, just a difference of the intent that people have in there. Um, Usually people who are taking an improv class are going because they want to to be a comedian or they want to be an actor. um, And, you know, they're doing that as part of the training. I think like you had said, though, there is a growing trend of more people like me who take it just to be like, this just makes me better in life. Because in addition, you heard me talk about, I really focus on the communication and the listening. But another big part that I work on and and part of listening is just being in that moment. And also, as we've seen from this year with COVID, how do you be adaptable and flexible? So I think it's kind of more of just a difference on like what you're doing. Of course, they're training people to actually get on a stage and perform and to be in the moment and be funny in the moment. Because let's face it, you know, who wants to go to see an improviser and an improv show that's not funny? Whereas mine is, the intent of my workshops are more to teach you a skill to have an outcome and a result at the Mm. end of it and just have a little laughter
0: along the way. That's cool. Now, what do you do? So say you go into one of your classes, you have something scheduled, and you have an executive or a couple of people who are not feeling this, they, they don't like this process, their HR leader or whomever, you know, set, you, set up the schedule and um, they, they are a participant that doesn't really want to be there. How do you handle that type of situation, that type of personality?
1: Well, I think the the first thing I do is you always start with expectations, right? Good leadership Mm -hmm. is setting expectations and setting those expectations even before they come in, Mm -hmm. you know, that there's messaging that comes out, the email on the prep, be open-minded. If they come in and they're still being really, really resistant and shy, or they just don't want to do it, I just keep going, right? You just keep going through because as the people around them are having a lot of fun, let's face it, people have a fear of missing out. And if you create an environment where everybody else is having fun, they're going to try that. And uh, you know, the best example, this isn't with an executive, but the best example I can think about was when uh, the pandemic started, I did a program, and it's still one of my favorite programs to periodically share, which is one for families, where parents with young children Mm -hmm. would get on and participate together. And of course, we had some pretty shy little kids. And so we just went and relied, uh, and I think this goes to anything we're doing. You find you find the supporters, you don't try to win over the dissenters, you find the supporters and you grow that way. And so the parents would get involved and slowly, but surely the kids would start getting involved. And I think one of the biggest moments that really touched my heart with what I do is at the end, I said, well, what did you guys think? And did you learn anything today? And the one little girl who was five whispered in her mom's ear, cause she was too shy. And her mom said, she said, I realized that I don't have to be shy. That I can like that she could open herself up. Now she was still shy in the share, but then when I offered it again, they came back, and they came back even stronger. Like I could see her applying it and stepping out, and that was, I think, the most rewarding thing that I've had uh, happen to me as a business owner.
0: That's incredible. What is it? Do you think that about your work that that activated that in that little girl? What What do you think it is in the in the work you bring to the table that people say? wow, this has really changed the way that I see things in, in one way or another. Um, how, how is that a lasting effect? What is, what's special about that?
1: You know, I think what's special about it, and it ties back to what we were talking about with vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? When you- something and and one of the things that it took me decades. I wish if I could go back and tell my younger self something, it would be take chances because I'd always be afraid or worried about what I would be thinking or what if I fail. Mm. Right. Like it took me a long time to embrace failure is a good thing. Yes. But when I try and you succeed, then you build this confidence. Right. And you have that confidence to be like, that wasn't so bad. So I'm going to try something else. And I think the thing that's lasting is um just taking it step by step, right? I think sometimes when we think about transformation, we think that it's this big thing mm-hmm. and you do it once and it's done. And the truth is transformation comes in from a lot of those little steps. And you take that one step and then you get to take another step. And then uh, I know somebody just described it as if you have to climb a stairway of a, of a high rise building, don't look at how far up you have to go, just look at the next step. And then periodically you just look up and you get to see where you are and you get to realize you have a new view. So I think that's kind of the lasting thing is when you take those little steps and then you look back and you realize how far you go, you've come, then you have that, um, that additional confidence, which now makes it that says, okay, I'm going to try something else. And it just kind of opens you up to the possibility thinking of the world and taking chances. And then sometimes when you fail, you get to reevaluate and say that didn't work out so well. What did I learn from it? And how will I apply that, whether
0: that's getting up to try again or moving on to do something else? Mm. There's so much in what you just said. The first thing that really sticks out to me is the fear of fear. So it's not necessarily the actual thing that we don't want to do that scares us. It's the idea of how we're going to feel when we're doing that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Which brings me back to the little girl that you worked with when she simply engaged because you've set clear expectations. Let's go back to that. You set the clear expectations, you held people accountable to the expectations. They must engage, everyone around them is engaging, and all of a sudden it's not so scary. And mm-hmm. I think that that's such a great metaphor for life. Also, I have to circle back and say I love the Darren Hardy reference. I Listen to that. I wasn't episode sure as well. if you had,
1: had heard because that's course. really where it is. And I know Darren Darren wrote the the compound effect of course. Yes. And I know you're also a big fan with me of, of Darren's work. Um, but I know other authors have done it too, right? The, I think you and I have talked about it in um, one of the things that I do is I introduce some of these success principles is mm-hmm. I've just kind of gathered it up and make it easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you read all the books on success principles, they're all the same. Yes, Like success principles are success principles. Maybe there's a couple of leadership differences on philosophies. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, taking steps, whether you look at a a high powered athlete who's at the top of their game, you know, it's about, it's not about the game day. It's about all those little workouts that go into it. We just see it it, everywhere. And and I know for me, I used to be one of those people that it had to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, I suffered from um, analysis paralysis a lot, or I was a perfectionist. If I couldn't do it perfect, I wasn't going to do it at all. Mm -hmm. And I lost a lot of years on that. Um, which I give myself grace and forgive myself. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but now that I've adopted it, the growth that I see is just, it's really getting to the point where I'm about to be on that exponential curve. Like I've been growing, I'm starting to see the growth and I'm getting ready for some really exponential, great things to happen in the next year.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I think Darren, Darren references Jim Rohn. He always says failure is on a pendulum. So the more that you swing in that direction of failure, the faster and harder you're gonna swing in the direction of success. Um, it, and that is, it, it does go back to habits. And I want to talk about that for a little bit because um, implementing small daily habits into your routine, I mean, we referenced Darren Hardy. So let's go there. As he says, they compound over time. So mm-hmm. you're not going to see a result in a week or sometimes even in a year, but five years, 10 years, you're either going to be somewhere really great based on your small daily habits or you're going to exponentially go downhill. And find yourself stagnant. And I I, I feel like that's a huge piece of the work, Beth, that you and I both do is helping people get out of that stagnant place Mm -hmm. or helping people not go there at all um, and realizing that you have to put yourself out there. You have to be open so that you can grow. You can learn. You can um, see different parts of yourself that maybe you have never even been introduced to. To continue to get better and better, and I mean, I think that you'll agree, there's no end end point. We 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 never come to a point where we say, "Okay, this is it. This is who we are." We're always growing. We're always evolving, and in order to do that effectively, we have to be vulnerable. Um, You
1: definitely do, and you just hit on something right there too of switching your mind to the journey. Because I also was like. Once I finish my, my degree, I'll be good. Once I get this promotion, yes. and I think so many people suffer from the, once I hit this deadline, mm-hmm. and I think that's especially what we see in corporate America, it's all about the quarter results, right, mm-hmm. versus how do I, by doing the little things, I will hit and exceed those quarterly results as I focus on them and really enjoying that journey. Um, Because just as you talked about the pendulum with failure and success, the failure is kind of what grows us. It's to stretch us. It's that pain point, um, Mm -hmm. which even I, I remember, I'm not a big exercise fan, but my understanding of the way the muscle works is what happens when we work out is we're basically causing some mini damage to the muscle. And what makes it strong is the repair process. Um, And that's kind of how you kind of really look at this journey, right? You're going to have those hard times where you're really going to grow. And then those success moments, those are the celebration moments, Mm. right? You did the work and some of those failures, some of those struggles end up, we have the success, the celebration, because that's the other thing we probably might even talk about is how important it is to celebrate wins because we both work with a lot of high achievers and we like almost just barrel right through the wind to yes. the next thing and not take the moment to celebrate how far we've come and, and how much of a difference. And some of that, like we talked about, is that vulnerability and even openness. Cause sometimes we look at vulnerability as a bad word. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it sound like, cause I think there's the connotation that people can take advantage of our vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. but I know I worked a lot with a coach. Um, who taught me to make it look as more openness? So, yeah, it does open you up that there might be things that hurt you or disappoint you a little bit more, but we can grow and strengthen ourselves from it. And at the same time, if, if you're also closed up and not being vulnerable, you're, you're also not open to receive the opportunities or the wins that are all around us.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, there's so much there. And I think that, you know, we can throw around the word vulnerability and it, even authenticity. Um, loosely it, and you know it's not a scapegoat for you treated someone poorly but oh I was just being vulnerable or oh I was being my authentic self so there is a distinction um, when you practice vulnerability in its purest sense it's, it's truly what you said Beth. it's being open and asking questions to seek to understand and I know you and I have went back and forth on the word judgment and mm-hmm. let's go there where, you know, I've shared that I think that judgment can be negative. When you're judging someone, you're putting them in a box, you're judging a situation, you're assuming it for something that maybe is simply a narrative that you're you're telling yourself. It's not the reality. Uh, yet you see judgment quite differently. So mm-hmm. why don't you share with everyone what your perspective is on, on that?
1: Yeah, I've been thinking about it that because that's one of the things in society right now. It's like, don't judge. And then I thought <laughs> about things is there there's – you know, sometimes I have to be able to protect myself. I have to make a judgment call. Mm. Like I thought about some of the other connotations of like, I can, like people will say things like I consider myself a judge of good character. Well, how can I judge a good character if I'm not judging? Mm. And so I really looked into your point is I think our society looks at it. And even I hear the words cancel culture, right? If somebody makes a mistake, it's like everything they did is wrong. Mm. And I think we need to get away from that kind of connotation and that meaning. But I do have to look at like when I'm judging performance it, or behavior, right? That's I think where we have to separate it, is not judging people, but their behaviors or there are performance things because we also get judged in a positive way, right? If you're up for a promotion, you're being judged that you're being reviewed mm-hmm. and judged to see somebody's making a judgment call to say, can you deliver the results that the corporation needs? Because at the end of the day. We all have a goal or purpose. Organizations exist for a reason. Uh, you know, corporations are in order to make a profit. Uh, nonprofits even, they have to be able to serve a mission, right? And we have to be able to, to have that judge of character to be able to look and really make determinations on what's best for us. I, I know kind of, and I might kind of just be leading us into this direction, but one of the things I spent a lot of this past year doing is looking at my associations, And kind of judging those associations to say, were they toxic to me Mm. or were they helping me grow and being able, and that kind of went back to that thought I've been doing around judgment is sometimes when I separate from a person or an organization, I've left companies too. It just means that our journey, like when I think about that life as a journey again, it just means we're at a fork of the road and we're going to take different paths. And it doesn't mean like when I have somebody who leaves my life or I leave a company, I leave it with best wishes. Like, we, we all get to have choices. We live in a free society, which means I have the right to my choice just as much as anybody else has the right to their choices. I have to own my choices. I have to own their consequences. But sometimes we're just going in different ways. And so some people might say that I'm judging people. Um, but at the same time, it's really just kind of this more of a, an evaluation um, of where we are and just a measurement of kind of where we are and where we can be going.
0: Yeah. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So I want to start with, I want to go to associations, but I want to start with the um, going back to vulnerability. How would you encourage one to practice vulnerability in a corporate environment? And you shed light on this a moment ago where maybe vulnerability isn't accepted. If you want to, you know, fit in or maybe you don't love your job, but you don't have the option to leave. You need the money. Um, you're supporting a family. And you want to practice vulnerability. You want to practice authentic communication. But you know if you do, it might be one of those cancel culture scenarios where you have one misstep or someone misconstrues it and all of a sudden your whole reputation is damaged. So how do you go about that? Okay. So this
1: is going to be another one of my unpacks. So the first part of it is always reminding ourselves that we always have a choice. First okay. step is identifying, like, this is not the best culture. Now, there is a need, so I might have to just toughen it up mm-hmm. and get through it. Like, I, I, I've advised a lot of my colleagues, and I'm talking from my personal experience. I know um, one of my last roles before I left to be a business owner was a toxic thing. I could do nothing right. Um, in fact, there was a point where I got thrown off of a project and all the feedback that was given, and I'm very open to feedback, and I have to admit, I was going through a rough time in my life, and I, I own the fact that there were some balls that I dropped. Mm-hmm. But I looked at the feedback and I said, a third of this, I own 100%. My mistake. A third of this, I own my part in it, but I wasn't the only one who caused the problem. And the third of it was, this is untrue and this was on the other person. And it took me a while to realize that I can't I can't take their challenges, like the fact that that person wasn't leading the team and I wasn't a good fit with the team. Um, you know, I can't take that personally. I have to learn from it. And accept it now from the day, because the day that that the the day, the culture and and what upset me in that environment was my boss backed them, not Mm. me. In fact, when they brought me in to hear my side of the story, it was very clear that they weren't even listening to my side of the story. And that hurt. Talk about being vulnerable, man. That, that hurt. I was at at my lowest um, because people who know me well, know how much pride I take in Mm. my work and how important my integrity is to me. Um, And I made the decision that day that said, I'm, I'm not staying here. Now it was eight months from the day that I made that mm. decision to the day that I left. Because to your point, sometimes you need the paycheck. I needed to get some financial things in order before I could leave. And it was tough because every day I had to give myself an attitude adjustment. And then I always had to remind myself one of the best pieces I ever got was control what you can control. Yes. And and now, now the hard part that you have to work on is, and this isn't as much voluntary, vulnerability as it is, recognizing what you can control and letting go of what you cannot. And that is hard not to take it personal, and that takes a lot of work, a lot of practice. Um, I don't think we could even start to talk about all that stuff because th- that's more work, and you know this being in the industry. that is more like that is not a single session with a coach. You're working with coaches. I've been working with coaches now for four years yeah. to really build the confidence to the level that I have it now,
0: yeah. That's really, really fascinating. And, you know, I've been there, too. And I think you're right. I think it's to your point. There's layers upon layers of really digging deep and being able to say, I'm not going to let this affect me and be detached from the situation. And I think in that process, we all have good days and bad days. Like some days I feel so evolved and enlightened. Nothing is nothing is getting through. Like it is just nothing negative or toxic is, is getting in. And I am just living on top. But then other days something so small can just, you know, really set you into a place of um, negative thinking. And I think that's where the self-narrative is so important. It's, it's so necessary to go through practices such as the, the practices that your company offers where... You have the tools, maybe you don't always access them right away, but you have the tools somewhere within reach where you can say, okay, I'm responding in this way, it doesn't feel good, let me pull out this lesson I learned or this, this piece and, and practically apply it in the moment right now to shift. And I think when we're able to catch ourselves or reflect on something that we didn't feel so great about, those are the moments of true growth. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, I want to move also into, so let's take this idea of you're in, you're in a, an organization and that you, they don't appreciate you and it's, it's hard to practice full vulnerability and really be fully yourself. And um, to your point, I think it's the act of stepping back, practicing objective awareness, and figuring out a plan. Um, moving past that and looking at someone in their personal life. I know that you've done a lot of work over the years with pushing out people and situations that that would come up that were toxic for you. I've done the same work. I will tell you, I think this past year with COVID especially, COVID really like being quarantined really helped me separate from things that were negative that I were continuing, I was continuing to allow into my life. And This year I think is the year where I really learned to say no and I learned to feel so good about giving myself a leaner life of things that are so beautiful and matter so much to me Um, and just surrounding myself with positive energy and love and support and great work and, you know, I started my own business as did you a few years ago and so you get that. But I swear I'm getting to something Um, with all of that. I would say I still struggle with, you know, getting to a point where I realize someone isn't the right friend for me. Let's say, and I I have the really thoughtful conversation, you know, maybe maybe we're at different points in our life. It doesn't feel like we're aligned. Let's let's spend some time apart. It feels like a breakup. Um, and oftentimes, people that aren't in that place of of self awareness or evolution, if you will, they don't get it. They react poorly. Where I haven't reached yet is the place where I can be okay with them not being okay. Like, I've gotten to the place where I can say no. I haven't gotten to the place where once I say no and someone reacts poorly, I'm okay with that. What has your experience been? Yeah, for me, I think
1: I'm going to show my age a little bit because in the day before social media, things went viral via email. And there were a couple emails that always stuck with me, and one of them was titled Reason, Season, and Lifetime. And the whole concept was is some people come into our life for a reason, and and I um, I'm actually working on some content for this myself that I'll be releasing. And with the reason, it might be like, oh, you know, I'm on this two-week tour of Europe, and they're on the trip with me, and it was just to make it a fun trip. That was the reason. We're never going to see each other again, and that's okay the second one was the season so it might be your high school years your college years your years at a certain company and you had so much in common and you had these dear friendships but that was the thing that you had in common was that season and it's not going to last but you get to enjoy their friendship during that season and that's where i always say there's a friendship test right if you haven't seen somebody in 20 years and you sit down is your conversation, how are you, how are you? Well, it was nice to see you. Or are you talking just like it was yesterday? Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of like, are these season friends, are they those final categories, those true lifetime friends that uplift you, that you can go years, but they've got your back no matter what. And what I think that has helped me with is just remembering that people come into my life for different reasons. As human beings, we don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. Um, But I've also learned just to be honest about why things are and that you never do it in a hurtful way because I think what happens so many times when we're triggered and we'll be patient like we don't want to say something we don't want to say something and then it builds up and then when we we hit that final that what I like to call the straw that broke the camel's back Mm -hmm. we unleash Um, and that's not a positive experience right no wonder the other person isn't going to take it poorly but it's also I've also learned a lot about asking permission to be honest Mm -hmm. with people and you know if somebody has drama then I'll be able to come out and say, hey, this is the reason that I need to separate. I just can't do that right now. And then also focusing myself, right, to walk the talk and say, am I a better friend? Am I demonstrating? If, I, if I'm telling you something's not acceptable, am I doing it? So I first look at me first to make sure my house is in order. Mm. Um, and then I've also, what I've done on social media that's been bold and I've had mixed reactions to, um, I've had people who have permanently blocked me. Uh, which on on further (laughs) reflection, I realized is a blessing when they walk away. Um, And yeah, they might end up doing reputational damage. And I'll I'll come, uh, remind me to circle back to like, what do you do when you have done something that hurts your reputation? Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I've just been honest. And I I recently had something to say, I can't take complaints without solutions. Like, I get it. You need to, if you need to call one-on-one and vent, but I'm getting bombarded by media, social media with all this negative energy. And it's pulling me down. So I actually put it out there as a blanket of, I'm drawing a line, and if I see you complain without solution on your social media, I am unfriending you. I don't believe, because I know people are like, oh, I'll just unfollow it. But then I'm like, I wouldn't want, if, I, I, give, I also give people permission to unfriend me, too. It's okay mm-hmm. to let me go. I, I had a coach, Stacey Rasky, she called it bless and release which is like, hey, I, I need to let go, but I, I send you with all my good and all my blessings. And like I said, it, well, it goes back to what I said before about we're just a different forks in the road. Mm-hmm. And that's, I found that when I'm explaining it that way, um, it's gone easier. Uh, I just had a situation not too long ago where where I said something on social media and the tone, it was one of those instances where I was triggered and I, my normal gait didn't protect me and yeah. I unleashed. Uh, would I take it back in a heartbeat? Actually, I wouldn't take back the fact that I made a statement. I would have chosen my words better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the person decided to block me without listening. And, I, and I, at first, I, I felt so bad because I hurt them, mm-hmm. right? When you have a, when you're a, a person, like for me, I have a deep conscious, I never want to intentionally hurt anybody. And I felt really, really, really bad. And I, um, I didn't try to take things back because I, as I said, I have to own what I did, mm. Um, but when I tried to offer, like, let me clarify what I said, the person wasn't even willing to listen. And and I thought, like, oh, my gosh, not only this, but I did it, like, on Facebook, so everybody saw it. This is going to be really awful. And then I realized by blocking me, that person did me a favor. They elected to leave my life with all of their negativity. And I got to, like, learn a lesson on, like, would you ever do this again? How could you do it better? Um, I even wrote an entire piece of content on how to, to recover from your sakes and, and recover. Cause I was, I was worried about my reputation too. Yeah. Right. So that, that was like, it was really hard and it it, it still hurts. Um, but at the same time, I think kind of in summarizing, cause I know I'm getting kind of long winded here, but it's kind of like making those choices and giving people the choice to stay in your life or not too. Um, we're allowed to kind of have our respectful boundaries. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you what to do, but if, if, what you're doing is bringing me down and I let you know that and you still choose that that's how you are, then you have to accept part of you making that choice. Part of that consequence is I'm going to leave your life.
0: Yeah, and I think that that comes, that, that comes in line with transformation. As you do work on yourself, as you um, become more vulnerable, more authentic in, in who you are, and I think, let's just clarify The ways that the way to do that—it's not some really complicated thing. It's the simplicity of stillness. It's it's simply stepping back, being quiet, and assessing what makes me feel good, what makes me feel like shit. Okay, let me incorporate more of the stuff that makes me feel good. Let me find ways to eliminate as much as I can the stuff that's toxic that doesn't feel good. I think it's more of a process of elimination to find your your purpose or your values or your your point of joy, whatever you want to call it, um, it's it's eliminating this, the things that don't serve you, the things that don't feel good. So you can incorporate more of what does feel good. And I think as you engage to your point, um, you know, with the variety of people that come into your life, whether they're a seasonal relationship or a long term um, friend, you're able to incorporate them into that bucket of this feels really good. I'm mm-hmm. on the right path. And I think if we trust our instincts more, our gut more, um, we will we will find our place in this world um, and, and a place that feels really, really good for us because that's what we're focused on. Um, and, and just even adding on to that is the more you do that work and the more you
1: focus on growing you, because once again, you can't control anybody else or mm-hmm. their growth, the more you focus on growing you you start naturally attracting the people that are going to help kind of generate, you know, it's like one of those things that you will find what you seek. And if you're always seeking the negative, you will bring more of that into your life. Mm -hmm. Like you said, there's, there's always negative in the world. We have to deal with it. We have to go through it. But the more you focus on how do I health, how do I feel my emotions, whether it's anger or sadness Um, and even good emotions, right? And just be like, what am I learning from this? Mm -hmm. Let me feel them. Let me accept them. They are part of the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the more you make the choices, the more you're able to bring more of that positive in your life, which then grows you, which is elevating you to new levels. And then it becomes, like we were talking about with compound effector cycles, you just Mm -hmm. start getting that momentum going in that direction. And then the good news on that is if you find that you're going in a negative direction or one that doesn't feel good, It's, you can, you have the control to make the choice to stop it and do the work to get positive. Even when we do the positive work and you even alluded to it, or actually said it is some days we still have bad days. We're going to have those backward steps. It doesn't mean we've gone backwards. It just meant we took a step backwards and we can get back up and we can keep going forward.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I relish the journey and the process and the failures because I think when you reach that place where you're so successful, you have everything you want the relationships, the friendships, the job, the whatever, the family that you've always dreamed of, the house, you do get to that point of of fear, like, oh my gosh, this, I have it all now. This could fall apart at any moment. And so we're always, regardless of the person that has (laughs) millions of dollars, the person that is, you know, surviving on a, a much lower salary in everything in between, we are always dealing with some type of struggle. Mm-hmm. And the yep. more that we accept the challenges that we face, the more opportunity we have to become better and learn through those challenges. Um, and I think that there's a letting go piece to this as well. So as we evolve, as we transform into the place where we want to be and, and bring in more of what feels good, you do, you do lose things. Like You don't just gain. You are losing, you know, this idea of who you thought you should have been. You may be losing friends in that process that no longer fit. I mean, we've been talking about the ability to let go of people who um, are no longer serving a a purpose or maybe are bringing toxicity into the relationship. And, you know, they were in your life for a reason. So even though they shouldn't be anymore, there is that sense of loss. So I think it's also accepting that letting go can be viewed as a shedding process that propels us into another place where we gain other things. Um, So there's a loss that comes with this work too. And we've got to be prepared for that. And I
1: think that when I look at sometimes at letting go, there are things that are losses, especially I I had one of the toxic relationships in my life that I let go of a few years back was with a friend of mine that had been a friend for over 20 years. Mm. This was one of those people that not only were they a friend, they were inner circle friend. And that was probably one of the hardest ones to let go of. And I had to not only let go of the relationship, but then I had to forgive myself and let go of the pain that I was causing myself, right? Because sometimes it's also healing the relationship with ourselves. And that was where I think when I learned that concept that when my coach uh, had said, bless and release, it was a whole nother way of looking at it because sometimes it makes you feel like you're being fired or something. And even if a company fires you, um, I, I think, uh, as we talked about Darren Hardy, I think he calls it release back to the marketplace. Right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a better fit outside. And, and sometimes it's us also, uh, not only letting go and, and healing from those losses. I know last year we lost a lot, like a lot of people lost vacation memories. We had students that lost time in school with their friends, especially kids who were like seniors in school. Like that's a special time. They lost a lot. Um, But being able to kind of heal from that and just understand it and to also be very forgiving of others and yourself, because as much as some of the people that I've let go of my life um, have made me angry or have hurt me, that was the other thing in letting go. I also had to not only forgive myself, but I also had to forgive them. Like, I I recognize that they're not healthy. I can't let them back into Mm -hmm. my life. Um, And let me put that as a caveat, too, because people change. If 10 years down the road that friend reaches out. And I'm also, at a. I remember when she reached out like a, a year after it, I wasn't ready. Like I wasn't ready to, to op- let them back in. If 20 years from now they reach out or 10 years from now they reach out, I'll be open to the conversation. Now things won't be the same because neither of us will be the same. So that doesn't mean that we would ever have a relationship again. Um, and whether they reach out or not, what brings me peace is that I've, I'm at a place of peace and forgiveness. And that is an amazing thing. It was actually um, Megan Hyatt, I can try to say, Megan Hyatt Miller, maybe. It's Michael Hyatt's daughter. Um, I was doing a virtual conference with them this year and she said something really profound to me, which says, you know, you've healed with something when it cannot hurt you anymore. So I know that there are still some things that even though I've gone through the forgiveness process, I know there's still some resentment because it'll still come up. And I know that once I've truly allowed it to fully process, because like you even talked about, sometimes we think we got to the problem, but there's another layer to that problem, or there was another aspect that we hadn't seen. Um, And I think the best way that that can be described is um, I had my dream job five years ago. I had worked my 20 years. I pursued a dream. I was there and it fell to ashes in five months. I was devastated. My ego was devastated. My confidence was destroyed. I was, I was at my lowest of low points, And I would always, it would always come up, but now it comes up as a, I look at the positives from it. I look at the, well, I wouldn't have been able, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if that dream job had worked out. Mm. So I look at all these great things and I know that I finally healed because I no longer speak of it from a place of resentment. I don't hear the tone in my voice or anything. It's now just a matter of fact. It was here were the lessons, and I don't even think about the lessons anymore because they're just so ingrained in me Mm. that they become that unconscious competence that I don't even really think about it. And there was just a day, just the other day I was thinking about it as I like, wow, I really healed. And it takes time. Mm -hmm. Like when we talk about, like we talk transformation takes time. I think so many times we feel like we need to get over it. In fact, that's one of the, the things that I hate when people tell somebody to get over it. Like you don't know where somebody else has been. They have to go through their journey in their shoes. Some people can go through it really fast. The more you practice it, the better your resiliency becomes. Um, but you have to process through it. You can't just get over it because all you're doing is putting it on the shelf and, and it usually comes back out at some point.
0: Yeah. We've talked about a lot of heavy stuff. And I, I, I do think to your point, it, it's what does the practical application of all of this look like? You and I are both people who are really drawn to this work. If you put me at a, you know in a chair and gave me a calculator and said, be an accountant, I, I, I don't think I would get there. Um, this is, this is my, my love in life is, is practicing self-awareness and helping other people figure, figure things out for themselves. Same for you. So for us, this, this makes sense. This is fluid. What would you say to someone who, you know, their, their go-to instinct isn't self-awareness or reflection. It's to move to the next distraction or move to the next thing. Um, maybe they don't even value this work. How, how could they take what we've discussed today and possibly begin to apply it in a more practical way into their daily lives? Well, for one thing, it's, it's,
1: this is, this was a hard lesson for me to learn is it has to be for them to want it, right? If they want to go distraction to distraction, they can, what I can do, what I would recommend for people around them and for themselves is to say, am I happy with this? You know, is, is this where I want to be? Um, and if the answer is yes, then, then that's your choice. It's your life. If it's something that says, I want to get to the next level. Like for me, the way I discovered my coach in the work, um, was because I was hitting a glass ceiling and I couldn't understand why. And I wanted to get to the next level, but I couldn't figure out what I was hitting my head up against. Um, so that's when I was then ready to do the work. And I think when you talk about transformational work, it is not work. I I think sometimes it's used too much as a buzzword, Mm. um, but it has to be a choice. I know I have somebody very close to me that I would love to see them see a mental health professional, but they don't want to. And that's where for those of us around them, if you're the boss of one of those people or the leader, um, it's really encouraging them and showing them the potential that they see if they can get over it. Um, Those are very, very challenging conversations. I can't say that I have a script or a way to get it right. But at the end of the day, I also have to recognize it's their choice um, that I can't. One of my mentors early on said to me, she's like, because we were working um, on a project and we both owned our own businesses. And she said, Beth, I'm not your boss, right? Like I will help lead you. I will help mentor you, but I will not drag you. And she was just really honest. She was one of the first ones. This was about 10 years ago. And she says, if you start dragging me, I will let go of the rope. And that was really powerful for me to say, if I don't hold on to the rope, I'm going to be left behind. And my choice was, I don't want to get left behind. Mm -hmm. I guess summarizing like the practical thing is recognizing it's their choice. Like if anybody's listening, it's remembering that you own your life. Darren Hardy says that all the time. Um, you know, you own your life, whatever's happening in it. It's, you can't control what's happening around you. You can control how you react to it and what choices you choose to make, what actions you choose to take.
0: Yeah. I love that. So it sounds like it's your choice. And if the person wants to make the change, the next step is setting some clear expectations. And I think that if you're doing it for a team, you know, it's very clearly setting really clear expectations for your team and holding them accountable to those expectations. If, if you look at the most recent Gallup surveys, I mean, that continues to be something that employees struggle with the most is, I don't know what's expected of me at work. Mm-hmm. So um, really getting clear and crisp on very highly specific behavioral expectations that you can coach to. Um, yes. And then and been- I'm going to
1: add one thing to that and make sure you're doing them yourself. Like if you're setting an expectation in a team, make sure you're doing it. Because too many times, yeah. one of the things I would see is the leaders would say all the buzzwords and they'd set the expectations and they sit down and said, but I set the expectation. And I told them at this meeting and they told them one time and, and you and I know, especially if you're new in a job, you are drinking from a fire hose. You have to reinforce it. And if it's people are going to follow what you do more than what you say. So mm-hmm. I think just kind of tying absolutely 100%, knowing where you need to go. You can't go after a target if you don't know what the target is. Yeah. Um, and then making sure that you're, you're following that same rule and that target
0: yourself. Absolutely. And I think for an individual going through the work, it, 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 it's the same. It's setting clear expectations. It's what is your standard of expectation for yourself? What is the price of entry for being you? If you are someone who wants to be healthy and fit, and that means getting up at 5 a.m. every morning and going to the gym and, you know, eating a healthy meal rather than ordering pizza on a Saturday night, then your price of entry is, it, it, pizza is not an option. Um, maybe it is. Maybe you have a cheat day. That, that would be a little more fun. But, you know, you, you've got to have a standard for yourself. And then I think that all completely aligns with what we talked about at the beginning. We come full circle with this notion of habits. So having habits in place, small daily rituals that are your standard of expectation and you do them so much and so often that it it just is how you go through your day. There isn't Mm -hmm. a question, um, you know, and I think it's, uh, it'll be fun to, why don't we both share one of our daily habits that we've implemented that we have consistently done every day for the past year? Give me your top, your top habit that's really helped you.
1: Well, I'll do, I'll do one of my habits, which is five day a week habit. It's intentionally five days a week to be So that could be consistent. And that's my quote of the day. And I started posting them, I think back in June, every Monday through Friday. And uh, it was something that I did. And I started sharing it with both my personal networks, as well as my professional networks, because it inspired me for the day. So the whole concept of sharing it Uh, gives me accountability because I don't want to miss because I actually have built up people who actually look forward to reading the quote of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And it gives me my anchor for the day, right? It's my thought of the day. A lot of times uh, I'm going to share a little inside secret. A lot of times it's what I needed to hear for the day, right? I find a quote on a topic that's on my mind and then I just share it out. Um, And interestingly enough, perfectly in line with this, the quote that I posted just before getting on, on this, this recording with you is uh, it was one by Ken Blanchard, and I'm going to paraphrase it, which is there's a difference between interest and commitment. If you're interested, like for, for your, if you're interested, you'll do it when it's convenient. If you're committed, you will do it, no excuses. And I think that just went down like your example of being healthy and fit. If you're healthy and fit, no excuses, you're going to the gym X number days a week, you're eating right because you are committed to it versus you're interested, which means like when mm. you fall off the wagon, you're okay. Um, and that's something that, that takes a lot of inner work to put, to look in the mirror and say, yes, I'm committed. So one of the things that I've done, uh, at least for the past six months and now has become like, if I don't do it, I'm like, wait, my day, it doesn't matter. Yes. Even if it's seven o'clock at night, I'm like, I need to post a quote of the day.
0: Yeah. You don't give yourself the option to not do it. And, and that's why, you know, if you want to put your, change your brain, which is a, a machine and it's an elastic machine, um, if you want to change your brain to adopt your daily habits. You've got to start with something manageable. So you know, if you've never worked out, don't start going, don't say I'm gonna go to spin class five days a week. Uh, but something really small, if you're, if we're, you know, let's focus on food as medicine. You know, if you're saying I wanna lose five pounds or I simply wanna feel healthier by what I eat, uh, maybe it's adding a small serving of fruit with one of your meals every day. So yep. start small. Don't screw yourself by screwing yourself. Um, really make it manageable, mine is journaling. I committed to journaling seven days a week, every day, obviously, seven days a week. Um, but I committed to journaling every day about three years ago, and I haven't missed an entry. And there are some days where I don't want to journal, I, I or to your point, I don't think about it until I'm exhausted and it's late at night, and I will literally open up my journal and I will write, we'll check in tomorrow, long day. Um, Yeah. And close that. I was just going to ask you if you did that. Yeah, absolutely. Because there are some days you just, you just can't, you just don't get there. Um, But every day for the past three years, I've written something in that journal. And over time, I've noticed my journal entries become more, um, more thoughtful, more reflective. I actually started loving going into my journal every morning and writing something down. It's become very therapeutic. And about a year ago, I started getting these really beautiful um, leather black Mont Blanc journals. Uh-huh. And so now I'm making, all, I, and I transcribe the other ones. So I have this stack of just like beautiful journals. They all match. And it's, it's just become a thing for me. And so I think as you invest in a habit, you grow it out. It, bec- oh, wow. it can get bigger.
1: Absolutely. And I I love what you said, because a lot of people, I've also had a a, have a journaling habit as well. And, um, and one of them, my, my journal journal, I write like big things or what I'm processing. Um, but I have a success journal that I keep, Mm. which is bulleted where I just write what were my wins for the day and what's my gratitude for the day. And I think to your point is that's more of an, that's one of my also everyday habits. And it's something that I just do. And if I, I miss a day, I don't beat myself up. I get back on there, yeah. but it's just a bullet. Cause I think some people they feel like journaling has to be like our deepest, innermost thoughts no. and stuff.
0: No. And I think you had a,
1: a great one to be like, it can be as simple as I'm exhausted today. I'm going to check in tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, cause you still journaled. You had a yeah. day that you just were, were tired in that moment. And not only that, It's giving you this beautiful uh, memory because we do, we talked about that, like not only the challenges, but the wins, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm sure the day you started your company, like when you look back 10 years and you're celebrating your 10 year anniversary, that's going to not only help you as you're going on the journey, but you get to leave a trail. So that's an awesome habit.
0: Yeah. And I think like, I think it's how we show up. It's, it's showing up with the right attitude. It's not even how we do the thing. It's how we show up for the thing. And if we can get ourselves and and let's, you know, let's end with that. If we can get ourselves to simply show up, this is something I want to do. It's important to me. I'm going to, you know, wake up in the morning, put on my workout clothes, drive to the gym. If I get there and I decide I don't want to work out, cool, I'll go home. Guess what? That doesn't happen because once you're at the gym, you're there and you start moving through it. And once you start moving through it, even if you don't have a great first workout or first 20 workouts, you get better every day. And that's the point of the habits that Beth and I are, are talking about. It's it's getting to a point where you you take something really small, like a little flower seed, and you water it. And over time it, it buds into something beautiful. And ultimately you may decide, okay, this habit is no longer serving me. I'm gonna advance to something else, or the habit continues to grow. And I think that's where we we transform. I mean, that's the secret to transformation. It's nothing to your point nothing big and fancy. It's the simplest of things. Megan, I have a great improv example to end that
1: one with. Do it. Let's do Um, it. That was one of the things that I learned because so many times when when an improviser, and if you've ever seen a show, the improviser is on the side of the stage and then you'll get a suggestion and somebody will kind of jump up on stage and people would always be afraid to take the step. Like you feel like you should, but you don't take the step. And our teachers always said, just take the step and you just get on and you just do something. And then your partner would build off of you and they would do something. And every once in a while, you get a flop. But I'd say at least 95% of the time, we end up with really funny scenes. But it all starts with just getting the momentum started and just taking that step on stage. Even if you kind of feel that fear, just just take the one step and then just one after it.
0: How cool. What a cool metaphor. Yeah, I, I think that improv is really something that's going to take off and something that companies need to, to bring into their workspace. Beth, this was awesome. If you, um, if our audience wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you? Well, my
1: website is a small, simple one because I'm more about in the moment and being in person. So I have impactfulimprov.com. Um, but of course, always uh, reach out for me either on LinkedIn or Beth at impactfulimprov.com. I'm always up. I, we didn't end up talking about networking, but I'm passionate about it. I always love getting to know connections because maybe that's just a reason or a conversation and maybe it could be a future lifetime friend.
0: Absolutely. And Beth and I do plan to do work together in the future. So if you're working with me, you'll probably get to meet Beth at some point if you're interested in the work. Um, Beth, thank (laughs) you so much for joining us today. It was so awesome having you. And um, I hope to get you back on this podcast when we have an in-person studio and go deeper into some of these great subjects that we talked about today. Yeah, this is always a lot of fun, Megan. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the human method podcast. I am Megan bond. And if you are interested in learning more about personal or organizational transformation, I would love to connect with you. You can reach me today at www.thebondconsultinggroup.com. I also want to thank Ayla Zimmerman for design and promotion of not just the human method, but our bond consulting group site as well. She is a kick ass designer. So please check out our site at the Sign up for our newsletter so that you can receive great content from us. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss our next episode. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our theme for the show, as always, is to be a little bit better each day. So remember, be better today.